Well, good morning. Before I get into what I'm going to say, a quick thank you to those of you who made soups or breads for our North Star teachers. Um, I was over there for parent, yes, thank you. I was over there for parent-teacher conference on Monday, my last one. I've been doing it for 16 years. I'm happy about that. But several people of the teachers knew who I was at Andy, Andy, come here. Thank you for the suits. Well, I will pass it along. Uh, teachers have a hard job. <laughs> they have a hard job. And any way we can come along to encourage them, to, to say thanks for what you're doing, I, I think is well-received. And, uh, you know, our hope is that maybe people who don't understand why we're so, think the way we do about Jesus, how we're excited about Jesus, they may not get that, but we're hoping to say, we glad, we're glad you guys are here. We don't quite get your belief system, we don't get it, but, but you guys sure love well. And so whether it's the book drive at Campbell, which we did in January, or the, uh, the soups and uh, breads for North Star, that, that's our hope, to, to represent Christ well in our community. Well, I mentioned it, we were talking about foundations. When I was, uh, we were living in Arizona, we bought our first home, we contracted to have it built. And because of... Uh, the hardness of the ground in Arizona. There are no basements. So your foundation, they come in and they pour an 18-inch slab. And this was a town of 50,000. There was one builder in town, so we were able to track it. So I remember when they're out there getting ready to pour that slab. And I thought, you know, we have a lot of dreams, Hope, Hope and I did. We had a little boy. We had hoped to have a second child, which we, we did while we were down there. And, you know, as, as we sketched out the house, this is where... Chris's room would be, and this is where we would be, and this is where we'd play, and, and he could play outside. And, and, but I thought, you know, all that rides on that 18-inch foundation, it, somehow that gives out, all those dreams go. You know, we picked our colors, and we picked our tile, and that kind of stuff. And then, as it goes, they, they framed up the house, and then in uh, Arizona, they used the, the Spanish tile, which is very heavy, and what they would do is they would come out, and they would put the tile up on the roof, and they'd let it sit there for a week. And I finally asked, what's, what's the deal? Well, they, they've got an inspector then that is going to come look at the, the trusses to make sure the trusses are going to hold the weight of the tile. And then, then they'll give the go-ahead to go ahead and roof it on that. But I thought, you know, if, even if those trusses hold and the foundation gives out, no good. That's got to be in place. What I want to talk to us about this morning is building a foundation that will last, that will withstand the storms of life. So if you've got a Bible, if you would open that to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, we're going to read these three or four short verses and wrestle with the question, how do we build a foundation that will withstand the inevitable storms of life? As you're turning there, uh, if you've been here, you know we spent the last six weeks talking about the gospel. Gospel means good news. And, and we've looked at terms like uh, reconciliation, which is to, to bring a relationship back together, redemption, which is a term from the slave market, to buy back. We've looked back to the fact that we have peace with God, all because of the gospel. The good news is we rebelled against God. Jesus came and lived the life we we're supposed to live in complete submission to the Father. The eternal Son of God took on human flesh. And followed the Father right up to the point he died on the cross for your sin and mine. Even though he was a person, a man, fully man, fully God, with no sin, he died for us. At one point, Jesus was facing his enemies. In John 8, 46, he said, which one of you finds any sin among me? Now, I, I wouldn't say that among my friends, let alone those who are 
my enemies. But Jesus did because he lived a sinless life. He had no sin penalty to pay. He paid yours and he paid mine. And he rose again three days later for the forgiveness of sin. And when we trust him, we, we are reconciled. We are made right with God. Boy, but boy, if that is the end of our relationship with God, we've missed out. Imagine a couple getting married and they say, well, what would you get out of marriage? Well, I got a marriage license. Well, do you have much of a relationship? No, 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 but I, but I got a marriage license. If you're only getting married for the marriage license, and I'm borrowing this from Brian Clark, you're missing the point. So if we're connecting with Jesus, if we're just trying to get into heaven, we're missing the point. There's a relationship to be had. And, and Jesus is, reveals himself in his word. He makes himself known. The eternal God meets with us created beings, and he reveals himself. And that's why we're talking about this 40-day challenge. Lent starts this Wednesday. And let's think about what we're giving up. What can we do to facilitate our relationship with God? And what I'm asking you to do with us is commit to reading the Bible 40 days. Where? You, you picked that. There's reading plans online. If you don't have a reading plan, we've got bookmarks. They're free on the back of the information center, and they'll start you in the Gospel of Matthew, and they'll start you in, in uh, Corinthians, and they'll work you through, and, it, and they'll take you through the New Testament, and you'll get exposed to Jesus, and you'll get exposed to some teaching about Jesus. There's, if you've got your own plan, you go for it. We're not asking a ton of time, 10, 15 minutes, that you read the Bible. So having said that, let me read the verses that I'm talking about. It's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was its fall. A wise person and a foolish person. Let me ask you on those four verses I read, what's the difference between the wise person and the foolish person? Is it that one knows the word of God and the other doesn't? No, no. It says they both heard the word of God. What separates the wise person from the foolish person in this? One applied what he heard, and the other didn't. So let's just be clear. Jesus is saying if you're a person who knows the word of God, and you don't apply it, you are a, a fool. I think that the placement of this is intriguing. It's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Gandhi was not a believer that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe in the resurrection. But he did say, I like the teachings of Jesus. And he did say, the world would be a much better place if we would apply the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's exactly the point, isn't it? Are we applying God's Word? See, we're, we're wrestling with this question 
How do we withstand the inevitable storms of life? Here's what I say. We apply the Word of God in our life. You want to build a foundation that's going to withstand the storms of life? How do you do it? We build that foundation by applying the Word of God in our life. Now, I would guess, if I were, I won't do it, but if I were to take a poll, how many of you have something that's really difficult in your life right now? I bet I get a good show of hands. Okay, so, so those of you that don't raise your hand, let me just say, be of good cheer, something difficult is on the way. Aren't you glad you came to church to hear that today? Let me talk about storms of life from my experience. I went to college. We had moved to Houston when I was a junior in high school, so I kind of didn't know a lot of people, but a friend I swam with said, let's put our dorm card in at Texas A&M, apply to Texas A&M. I got accepted, and I didn't think anybody had anything about it. And so uh, we graduate, and we're going to go up together for orientation, and there's another guy going up, and he said, my parents are driving. Do you want to go with us? We'll all drive together. Sure. Well, these folks were great, and they became a second family to me. So I lived with my roommate in the second floor, and this guy lived in the first floor. Uh, this family would come up for every home football game, and they'd have a uh, fried chicken or something for lunch after the game. Um, yeah, his parents, uh, like I said, became a second family. I, there were times I'd go down to Houston, and we'd go to his house and spend the night and I wouldn't even go home. And then at the beginning of my sophomore year, my parents moved to New, New Jersey. So now it's kind of like they're 2,000 miles away. So they're really a second family to me. Um, I spent Thanksgiving with them. And it was just, uh, you, when you're, you're having a great time, you're right with the right people. Uh, that was it. Summer after my sophomore year, I, I was a chemical engineering major, so I took a job at a gas plant out in the... Panhandle of Texas, and I came back July 4th weekend. It was an eight-hour drive, so I drove from four to midnight. And just to show you how the relationship were, we, we played hearts from midnight to 4 a.m. and laughed our head off doing it. Three weeks later, I got a call from my roommate. John, the friend, has been in a bad wreck. It's pretty serious. Okay. He called me in the morning, Andy, you need to get back here. Okay, the summer was ended. I loaded up my staff. They let me go a couple days. And I get back to find out he, he was driving and he was coming up to the crest of a hill. And the person who else was coming up the hill, driving on a suspended license, uh, veered into his lane, head-on collision. She comes out with a three-stitch cut. He comes out, his lungs aren't working. He hangs on for three days. And he dies. saddest thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. I was not super close to my family. Uh, the passing of my parents didn't, didn't hit me like this did. I remember going back to visit family because again, they were second family for me. I cannot tell you how the atmosphere changed in that family. Remember I tell you we'd play Hearts from midnight to 4 a.m. and laugh the whole time we're doing it. No more. Voices raised. Anger. 
I stayed in touch for seven years. I graduated. I went to graduate school at A&M. I graduated. And I got placed in Colorado with Campus Crusade. I would be back in Texas. I would go see them. But in 1987, I, I went to see him again. And again, it was just this attack. And I, I thought I understood then. I think I really understand now that my oldest son's a junior in college, what that might be like. But I thought, you know, it's, I think it's too painful for me to go back for them because I was the friend and how come I'm alive and The storm came. It wasn't fair. A lot of times the storms of life are like that. And the foundation wasn't in place. And destroyed them. It was the, the rains came. Remember the passage? And it swept away the house. And, and what was, I mean, it was 180 degrees. That's Jesus' point. Cancer diagnoses come. Auto accidents happen. Job layoffs happen. Relationship breaks happen. And we'd like to say we can anesthetize ourselves. We can't. And Jesus said, I have got something. I have got a foundation, and it is in my word. It is in me. But if you don't know the word, you can't apply it. Second example, let me move 18 months from that accident. It's the second semester of my senior year. I've moved off campus for the first time. I'm living with some Christian guys. And one of them is a freshman, and he's a, a mature beyond his years. He is a man of the Word of God. He encouraged me to get in the Word of God. And about March, he's having some back pain. And we would come home, and he would be on his back, and he would have his legs over his head. And I'm, what are you doing? I'm, I'm trying to stretch out my back. Well, he went to the... Uh, infirmary, the hospital on campus. The students called it the quack shack. Um, and they told him, it's, a, it's an infection, take these pills. So he took those pills for a couple weeks and nothing happened and a month went by. In April, he goes down to Houston just for a doctor to check it out and, and he'll, you know, it's only 90 miles between College Station and Houston. He'll be back that night. And I get home and he's not back and my other roommates are out studying. It's about eight or nine o'clock. And I'm the only one in the apartment, and the phone rings. And again, remember, this is pre-cell phone, and it's a collect call from Chris Edwards. Chris is the freshman friend. Will you accept? Yeah, yeah, I'll accept the call. Chris, I thought you were going to be back. Where are you? I'm in the hospital. Why? The doctor thinks I have testicular cancer, that went up through my lymph node system and it's now in my lungs and that's why I'm spitting up blood. They'll do more tests tomorrow. They think it's over 90% of my torso. Now I'm usually pretty quick with a comeback. Say something. I had nothing to say. And there's a pause. And he recognizes that I'm uncomfortable. You know what he says to me? Freshman, 18 years old, cancer over 90% of your torso, in your lungs. That's why you're spitting up blood. You know what he says to me? He says, Andy, it's okay. God's in control. How's that for building the foundation? For two months, the cancer treatment went well. The numbers that were supposed to go down went down. Then all of a sudden, 
in May or June, it turned the other way and they did a test and it was in his brain. And he died the Saturday after Thanksgiving of that year. But he died with peace and joy and assurance of where he stood. The storm came. I don't th- he didn't make it to 20 years old. That ain't fair. <laughs> How many people get cancer at 18 years old? But the young man had built a foundation beyond his years, and he withstood the storm. His brother was the one that discipled me. He was my age, and he was a man of the Word of God. He withstood the storm. Here's why we're driving this challenge. These storms of life are coming. Are you going to be ready? Am I going to be ready? See, the time to build our foundation is now before they get here. So a couple things have to happen. You and I have to know the Word of God. We cannot apply what we do not know. That's the point of the challenge, to get in the Word. Back in the day, and it was never very fruitful, my dad and I would get into these heated theological discussions, and I, a lot of it centered on the, the exclusivity of Jesus and and I would quote a scripture to him, and he said, that, that's not what that means. And I said, Dad, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but please don't take it that way, but you don't know. You haven't read the Bible. You're retired. You've got all kinds of time. Could we read the Gospel of John together? Not with that, I'll show you. Just reflect on it. I, I'd love to do that with you over a, you know, I was going back to Colorado where I was, and he wouldn't do it. He didn't know the Word of God. Do we know the Word of God? That's a first step. That's why we're asking to do it. Second, are we applying the Word of God? And that means we're getting with somebody, somebody to challenge us, somebody to, we're committed to applying the Word of God. When I, you've told me talk about going to Latin America, we would go uh, to Costa Rica to learn Spanish. We would spend two hours studying, we'd be in class studying the Word of God and you know, they had two forms of the verb to be, two forms of the past tense. You, every noun was masculine or feminine. You could spend all your time studying but you need to get out and speak. And it was uncomfortable getting out to speak. And don't let the study of Spanish get in the way of speaking Spanish. Yes, we need to study the Word of God, but, but don't let the study of the Word of God get in your way of applying the Word of God. We've got to know it, and we've got to apply it. If we know it and we don't apply it, Jesus calls us a fool. If we don't know it, we're also a fool because we can't apply what we don't know. Now, now, what usually gets in the way of us knowing the Word of God? It's, see if you can fill the answer. It's like, oh, Andy, I'm too what? Too what? We're too we're busy. Oh, we're so, I'm so busy. Let me talk to you about Jesus. He went into public ministry for three years, and then he knew he was out, and he's got to equip these 12 guys, and it would be 11 because one would bail on him. And, and, and he's got, you talk about a big task and a lot of work to do, but let me tell you just a couple snapshots from Jesus' life. I'm reading from Mark 134 to 36. They'll have it up there. It said this about Jesus, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Jesus, even though he's busy, and man, he's casting out demons, he's doing a lot of stuff, he goes away to be with the Father. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, man, you got the crowds going for you. I mean, we're in campaign season. You want to get a crowd. That's what you want to do. 
Jesus has got a crowd. And Jesus said, I don't care. I got something more important. I got to be with the Father. So if Jesus made it a priority to get away, can you and I do it? One more. Uh, Luke 5.16. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. But he was busy. Man, he had three years to get these guys who weren't very bright up and running. But he thought it was more important to get away and be with the Father. Here's what I'm asking for these 40 days. You reevaluate your schedule. I reevaluate mine. And we say, we're not going to let the day go by without getting in the Word of God. Sometimes I think we, we take this for granted, the Bible. We've had it for so long. Uh, Tim Keller is a pastor in, in New York, and he, he was talking from Psalm 119, and I, I won't uh, go into it, but he made the case from Psalm 119, which is all about the Word of God, that the Word that was spoken when there was nothing that spoke the world into existence, it's right here. It's the Word of God. It's powerful. It sustains life. Remember, he spoke and it came into being? It's right here. It can give you life in the midst of a crisis. Uh, Father, Son, and Spirit uh, are together in the heavens, someplace we don't know where, and, and, but uh, they, they communicate with one another. Uh, that's right here in our Bible. You know, in, in the world of stocks and bonds, you can go to prison for insider trading. In other words, you know a company's going to... Um, release a bad earnings report or they're going to make a merger that's going to cause their stock to go up or down, and, and you buy or sell stock on that and you get caught, a la Martha Stewart, you can go to prison. Do you understand when it comes to life, we've got inside information. We get a snapshot to what is going on in the heavens. We have a snapshot back when the world was recreated, it was spoken. It is right here. Please don't take the word of God for granted. It gives life. It sustains life. And that's why Daniel can say what he did on the song, the little intro he gave to the song about before uh, Psalm 23 in the valley. Why can we go through the valley? Because Jesus will go through with us. Why can we withstand the storm? Because we have a foundation that is built in Christ that won't be shaken if we're people who know the Word of God and apply the Word of God. And I'm begging you. <laughs> the time to build your foundation is now. Before the storm hits. Will you invest time in the Word of life to build a foundation that will last. In 2010, uh, Haiti was rocked by an earthquake of a magnitude of 7.0. It's hard to get a range. There's a range of how many died. The Haitian government says 300,000 people died in that earthquake. Estimates go down to 100,000, go up to three or 400,000. Well, let's work with 300,000. 7.0 on the Richter scale. 2014, just off the coast of Chile, an earthquake uh, of a magnitude of 8.2 hit. And, and when they get on the scale, they, they go up exponentially. So this is not a linear progression. This is probably a 
ten times more of an impact. 8.2. 80,000 people were displaced in Chile because of this earthquake. Do you know how many people died in that earthquake of eight, magnitude of 8.2? Six. Six died. Four of them were from a heart attack, the, the scare of the, I'm on a shaky ground. Two people died because something fell on them, which is typically how you die in an earthquake. So why was it 300,000 and a magnitude of 7.0, and why was it 6, with only two being legitimate deaths and a magnitude of earthquake of, of 8.2? Uh, one country built to code. The other country did not. What about the code? Oh, it was there in Haiti. They, they just chose not to, to do it. If you're sitting with a Bible, if you've got a Bible on your phone, you got the code. You have the code. Will you build your life according to code? So when the 7.0 or the 8.2 comes, you're ready. I'm going to pray. And then Lindsay is going to share a video about what we hope to do uh, in these 40 days of Lent. And the worship team will come and close us. So Lord, we're grateful that you have given us the code to withstand the storms of life. I pray we wouldn't be like the Haitian people. We have the code in our phone. We have the code in our, our bedroom. We have the code in our office. And we don't pay attention to the code. Lord, I pray we'd know the code. I would pray we'd build according to code. Thank you, Jesus, that the word spoken in the heavens is in our Bible. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.